everyone. Welcome to Atlantis Real Estate Realness. It's Cassie Fuchs from Southeast Mortgage. Amber Rogers from HomeSmart, formerly part of Palmer House Properties. Super eager and excited to join with them. We're now, if I'm not correct, correct me, but I'm, I'm told we're the number one brokerage in Georgia right now. The largest. Awesome. The largest. Woohoo! And I'm so excited and thrilled and honored to represent my mentor, the contract queen herself, Angie Mezzasmith. She's got so much knowledge about contracts and how to stay out of hot water as an agent, but also to give consumers as far as when they're buying, selling homes. She also taught, oh, and she's the senior managing broker of HomeSmart. Big deal, awesome. big deal. We're so honored. Yes. Um, and, um, but she taught me my favorite slogan, which is? <laughs> Life's all about choices. There you go. So I'll let her lead with any any um, advice she may have in today's market. We've been seeing more things go on the market. And with that, there are still buyers, but the interest rates, as Cassie can speak to, have been kind of tumultuous. Very much so. Uh -huh. So we're seeing more concessions, which is great. So I have to advise my sellers, like, hey, listen, your gold toilet isn't worth $5 million anymore. Like, <laughs> you may actually have to get realistic and, and maybe even pay for $1,000 in closing costs. Oh, my God. You know, so anyway, I, I'd love for you to open with anything you've seen lately that's top well, of mind. Well, well, yes. Th thank you so much for having me uh, here, Yay. ladies. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole goal here um, uh, is to get to a closing table. And in order to get to a closing table, um, the, the public is reply, uh, relying on the real estate sales agents to help them maneuver through getting under contract. And their so, lender. Yeah. That's absolutely. So, you know, what I've often said is uh, to buyers, we find the property, but they find the money. Right. And so we are a team. <laughs> and um, and, so and absolutely, if, if you're working with um, uh, a buyer that needs um, financing and does not have actual cash that they can uh, immediately show up at the closing and, and pay that cash, which is the vast majority of buyers, mm -hmm. then you need to make sure that they are with a very uh, experienced and competent lending partner. And so that is something that they have to do um, in the uh, beginning stages. When you're out there um, first meeting with them, first having the consultations, that cannot be understated. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's the education factor for um, agents uh, constructing the contract and the contract timelines and helping the buyer through that with the proper contingencies um, and and explaining this process to them right. so they know how to exercise and their rights. And we forget because we stare at it all day long and we take it we take for granted that this buyer they might buy one house in a whole lifetime or maybe every decade if even mm -hmm. and they don't know what a contingency they don't know that like due diligence is this and that like we're supposed to be they're a reliable person right. and lenders too lenders have to work with a super strict timeline well and you know and and actually in this market um, we're working with those contingencies like we're making it to where we can shorten those contingencies so that we can have clients who can go in with a lot, a lot stronger and what offer. is a contingency right. Angie because the average Joe might not know what the hell a that's contingency is <laughs> that, no, no no absolutely that's I always a, forget that that is an excellent question the the easiest way I know how to to um, define a contingency is it means but for this happening so in other words I am telling you that if this certain thing doesn't happen that I have an out I the buyer have an out and I am not going to suffer any penalty um, 
in breaking a promise to you, the seller, because those are the parties in the contract. So if I am a buyer, I'm going to put in certain uh, outs for myself, uh, a right to uh, terminate, for example, for a short period of time. We call that the due diligence, due diligence period. And that is to give me a chance to inspect, but not just inspect the property because you're the seller, you own the property, you certainly know more about it than I do. I need to inspect it and evaluate it and see what, if any issues, may want me to uh, uh, ask for repairs from you, uh, perhaps terminate and exercise my right to terminate for any reason because maybe I don't want this product once I've evaluated it. But one thing that needs to be emphasized to buyers and to the agents that are assisting them is that due diligence period is not just about inspecting uh, the conditions of the property. It's also about vetting their loan type because mm -hmm. you have the most leverage uh, as a buyer when you have that right to terminate for any reason. And during that time period, you can ask for anything. Mm -hmm. So perhaps when they first initially spoke with the uh, lender partner and they said, hey, you know, we're gonna do a conventional loan, then after uh, we start digging a little bit, we realize maybe FHA is a better product mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. Well, the seller would have to agree to that. And agents don't even remember that sometimes. Absolutely. I'm I, I've been guilty a of forgetting to absolutely. notify the selling agent. Or and the that's why we will pre-approve clients for both conventional and FHA, especially in the market when they that's weren't, weren't accepting FHA. We would approve them for both just so that, that you could so show to it know. to the listing agent, hey, they're qualified for both. This is a better option for them. So they can use they the conventional do. to get the deal and right. then if they need Correct. to Correct. But let's say that they were pre-qualified for both, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, I didn't um, know they did. But when you are putting together the offer as the agent, mm -hmm. you have to put an, a loan exhibit that contains contingencies specialized to that loan. That's right. Let's say you put in a loan exhibit that was for a conventional loan. Right. Well, You're what in an incredible opportunity now. it is during due diligence when you have the right as a buyer mm. to just terminate for any reason, no questions asked, you just send a signed notice saying I'm terminating, protecting your earnest money, while you have that leverage, that's when you can say, hey, um, I want uh, to switch my financing to FHA because I've talked to Cassie and that is absolutely the best plan for me. So we're going to agree to remove the, um, the uh, conventional loan exhibit and add the FHA loan exhibit. And the seller absolutely required by FHA um, uh, HUD standards has to sign and agree to that type wow, of financing. Wow, I didn't know that. Awesome. That is awesome. That's something I and never And so knew. while you have that, the so leverage. they have to. They have to. And the reason is this, is why. Is discrimination? No, otherwise? no. Uh, excellent question. Sorry. Ex no, it's an excellent, excellent point. A lot of people don't realize. It is the appraisal contingency, the appraisal contingency, mm, the appraisal contingency. Got it. No loan no loan type requires that it be contingent upon the buyer's ability to obtain financing. That's not something a lender is going to require. That that contingency for financing, if I'm not qualified, I will get my earnest money back as long as I terminate within this short window of time. Mm. That's not required by any government entity or any loan type. What is required is for FHA and VA financing is the appraisal contingency that is established by HUD, uh, who is in, uh, controls the FHA, and that is called an amendatory clause, but it is an ironclad appraisal contingency, and it has to be a part of the contract, 
and the seller has to sign and agree to that. Wow. I love that. That gives me I such that, leverage. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even recognize that you could that. do that during content. I mean, well, I knew you could easier. ask for anything right. during due diligence or in general. And the seller we could say, We generally did it on the, the front end during when, when they were making the offer. Yeah. We would say they can do both, can, you know, but it would be best for them to do it. But if now that I know, you can go through That's due, due diligence. That's amazing. Absolutely. And so you, we have to bear in mind that once you, you obviously want to put your best. Uh, offer forward. This sure. is so, so important that you have an agent that is working closely with a very experienced uh, loan loan officer that they know how to help you construct the right offer to put your best foot forward. Because remember guys, nobody ever has to sign an amendment right. ever. Once, right. once you've got that deal under contract, no one ever has to sign an amendment. Wow. And while a buyer during their due diligence period, which is that right to terminate for any reason, while they have a right to ask for anything, including the change of loan type, the uh, an amendment to change that, repairs, uh, a, a price reduction, et cetera, et cetera, the seller's not obligated right. to sign off on that. So what does that do for the buyer if the seller refuses? It puts the ball back in their court and then they could simply walk away and take their earnest money if they're not able to get what they want. But still, that is powerful, powerful leverage, and it's the most mm -hmm. leverage that a buyer has in the entire contract. I love that. And I a good that. listing agent, will, which is what I focus on, which I love my buyers too, they make the world go round, but a good listing agent's not gonna present something like that, a quote-unquote concession or amendment, as a problem to their client. They need to present it and say, here's where the buyer's at, you know, your home does need a new roof or it does need this. We, we already knew that. What do you think? And then shut up because half the time the client's like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Right. I'll sign it. Send it in DocuSign. And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Here I was trying to save the day yeah. when I could have just shut up and put my ego aside and let them decide what's best for them. And usually once you're under contract anyway, the buyer and the seller have already, he's already bought the house. Seller's already spent the money. You know, they're like excited. They want to keep it going. So it's up to us as agents as well, especially, and then buyer agent, the same thing. Don't try to like find problems with the house. Let your client tell you what they perceive as a problem and get that inspection and then tell them to pick out a couple of the biggest ticket items that they perceive are something they, they want to have fixed or else they're walking. Mm -hmm. But don't go through 48 pages or 198 pages of an inspection and try to find every little outlet that needs a plate removed you know, when it could just be as simple as a thousand bucks off the sale price. I mean, it's really absolutely. not that hard. And we talked about contractors too. A a absolutely. You're welcome and to go into that. Ab absolutely. And Amber, you bring up a good point. And I've, I've had a lot of uh, agents, I've been doing you this for 24, 24 years. And oh I gosh. tell you, I've, I've literally uh, can't believe brokered so and young. managed. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, brokered and managed uh, thousands of agents. And wow. there are um, agents out there that are very well-meaning, but uh, sometimes they're representing sellers, sometimes they're representing buyers. And I see them argue and be very combative and mm -hmm. very uh, with the other agent in negotiations and even sometimes with, uh, with, with the broker. And exactly, they, they are unnecessarily combative and their argument is, I'm just trying to protect my client. 
agents must remember they need to stay in their lane. And we're not You're attorneys. Not attorneys. You're mm-hmm. not attorneys. You, You're, me that. you don't want to, quote, protect the client out of a deal. Right. They're actually doing a disservice to their client Absolutely. by asking for every little thing or not being able to. Angie also or, taught me that if the buyer still wants to buy and the seller still wants to sell. There's almost always a way to get negotiate. Get it done. Yeah. Get it That's done. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I've had to remind cl- agents on the other side of that. Does your buyer still want to buy? Okay, great. Let's put our egos aside. Absolutely. Like it's okay. <laughs> and, and and we see this um, in seller representation as well, where you have an agent saying, "Oh, my seller's not going to fix that. My seller, this, my seller." They didn't even ask. And, and, and the and the bottom line is, uh, sometimes you know it benefits the seller tremendously because while this buyer that's under contract that's asking for X, Y, or Z may go away. Guess what's not going to go away? Life the is all about choices. Problem. The The material defect. It. That's right. That you now have to disclose the broken, non-functioning HVAC. The seller's not going to get out of, of that. Right. The seller's not going to get out of that because uh, the uh, the appraiser is going to cite that. The lender's going to want that to be yep, a working I order. Bet you see that um, the seller's going to pay one way or another because either they're going to have to accept a cash offer from an investor that's willing to take it quote as is and it's going to come off substantially more money than the cost of that HVAC they're going to continue to have problems getting a loan approved on it and they're going to have to disclose all these known defects every time more inspections are done so again this is bringing up uh, Amber's uh, favorite quote life is all about choices (laughs) I have a class called advanced contract strategies where we have a whole section called life's all about choices and it's all about leverage because it's all about explaining that sometimes on the surface it seems like oh you know uh, uh, the seller doesn't have to do that it's as is this 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 but if the uh, if the seller were educated um, and if their agent were educated about how it actually benefits the seller to do this one thing not the 50 other things the buyer's not asking for on that inspection report but the buyer's well aware and only wants this one priority taken care of wow and then they can sell the house and move on um, you know if if that were properly explained That's uh, part of the then, the, then the sellers would um, yeah the seller would would say hey let all day long I'll take that deal yeah. do agents? <laughs> and I've had to do that with my sellers and be like look I, I adore you mr. seller I understand why you're being hard news about this but just so you know legally I have to disclose you have to disclose it in a new disclosure form and if same with appraisals too it's like you think you're gonna just go back on the market and all is hunky dory and a lot of agents don't even know that you can't just go back on the market and not disclose it. It if it's there they could get sued. But go well, ahead. the appra- appraisals now appraisals now are not material defects, so an appraised va- is it's an opinion stick, of value. Right? However, Amber brings up a great point. Um, that if it's a, 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 an FHA, FHA or, or a VA appraisal and the next buyer that comes along is an FHA or VA buyer applying for that same loan type, that appraised value will be tied because it has a case number. It will be tied to that property and Cassie would Cassie would be able to answer better. I think yeah. it's 120 days for FHA. Right. Oh, that's less for than I six, thought. It's six months for Okay. For I thought FHA. it was six months to six a year. Six months. Sure. And but is it VA? How long is it tied? Uh, VA. It may, it's I want to say less. it's 120 120 days. days, right? So, so the yeah. deal is, though, 
here's here we have our own appraisers here at Southeast, right? So right. preferred appraisers. Though each of those appraisers do conventional FHA loans. Uh, They're certified appraisers. across They're certified the board. Across the board. So a lot of times, you know, I get a lot of this pushback about FHA appraisers or right. whatever. And what I explain is same the guy. same appraiser <laughs> is coming out, whether it's That's a right. conventional loan or an FHA. Regardless loan. of what form they use Re- to fill out the exactly. comps or the comps. The value <laughs> sure. is going Love to be it. the value. Right. He's going to give it the same value. They think they're going to get a higher value with a conventional loan. It, and honestly, it's just I just case. met one on does, Friday at 8 a.m. for mm-hmm. a client of mine because he just wants to refi, put some money out, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I met, and he's a VA loan. Yeah. And by the way, we closed on a million plus dollar property with his VA lender yeah. twice now. And yeah. we've had no hiccups. I personally am a huge fan of FHA and VA loans for buyers. It gets a bad really rap am. for some reason because some idiot agent 20 years ago is like, those are bad. They take longer. No, they really don't. If you're a good agent and, age, and you're a good so lender, they, don't, they shouldn't take That's longer. That's right. They, they haven't take, for me. They take 15 business days. I haven't done FHA I mean, in a while, but VA I've done like four this year. Yeah. The last FHA loan I closed myself personally on my own personal primary oh, residence, yay. I closed in 15 yeah. days. So, you know, it, it, it can absolutely, absolutely be done. And um, so, and again, this is where experience matters. And this is um, uh, it, it, talking about other contingencies. Um, you know, yeah. when it comes to like due diligence, uh, you're, 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 buyer has the most leverage. So mm. that's going to be, you know, a right to terminate for any reason. When you're negotiating a contract, all of these contingencies have different time frames and the right. due diligence is going to be the relatively small one. We typically see somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 days, no more than that. Um, and those are actual days. So the sun rises and the sun sets and then that's yeah. how you know it was a day. And that includes weekends, holidays, and mm-hmm. I would uh, highly encourage anybody to not mess with that language. Oh, that's I hate in that. there. I just got one like that. And the that special messes steps, up oh, your well, timeline. Oh, well, if it's 8 p.m. on a Saturday or Sunday, it doesn't count. And I'm like, now all my days are screwed up. The, the, all the days get screwed up. And, and, and my seller's so confused. It, it is confusing. And it's just best to leave it as a day. There, There's a reason for that because there's yeah. been a lot of lawsuits over the years as to what is considered a day. And when you just leave it as calendar days, then every single it's solitary stupid. day, um, it is a day and so I caution agents I'm like if it, if somebody puts a special stip in that says that your due diligence or other contingencies are business days that means they're omitting federal holidays yep. and weekends so then when you count out your 10-day due diligence and you it's look at the calendar up. you have like a 17 day yes. due diligence period and and here's the other thing that can actually cause the contract to be voidable mm-hmm. is if you have, say, other contingencies that are longer, like financing. Oh yeah, or they forget appraisal, to change that too, and, and then they, they shoot themselves. And in the then, front. and then you have those days tacked on because you can only count the business days. If those contingencies then go past, past your closing, closing day, yep. you have a contract that cannot be performed the that way it was true. written. So and the so seller that could get out that way, maybe. It could, yes. Ooh, I'll keep that in mind. So I got that's one a, doing that that's right a, now. That's a conti- uh, potentially avoidable contract. So a couple things. Uh, I would say when I teach contracts, I am always trying to explain to the agents, number one, they're not the parties. The parties mm-hmm. are the buyer and seller's that's promises so being made yeah. behind between buyer and seller. And I had this conversation earlier this morning with a former agent of mine who's now broke oh, her own company. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she, um, she was asking me about uh, text messages back and forth between her and the other agent. Mm. And I said, I want you to look at the back of the contract, probably page six, nobody quote me on that, but 
page, probably she's page probably right. six. <laughs> Don't quote her. And she's there's right. a little paragraph, very important paragraph, you called No Authority to Bind. And that paragraph says, no agent or broker has any authority to bind a party. Yep. Remember, the parties are the buyers and the sellers. No uh, agent or broker has any authority to bind the parties to any portion of the contract or amendment thereof. So all these negotiations about this amendment that never got fully signed and initialed, and it was actually a countered amendment, it, it got crossed out and altered, but the initials never got placed on that uh, counter and so it was never a viable enforceable wow. amendment and so the text messages of the agents discussing that yeah. we're going to agree you can't enforce that on nope. the buyer and seller and so she was very upset and disappointed because now she realized the things that she needed in that amendment were non-existent mm -hmm. and in the meantime her due diligence uh. had expired and now she's thinking you know all hope is lost we needed to have this uh these front steps uh that are settling we need to have those fixed and this is a code violation and this and this so we started talking about okay. other contingencies that were in the contract and life is all about and choices. leverage and how uh you know perhaps the uh ba uh appraiser might want to uh pay attention to that code violation and will likely be mm. putting that as a as a condition in there the ba go. appraisal mm -hmm. and we talked about that and i said Let's put it in perspective. What your buyers lost is your buyers lost one of their significant leverage points in the contract. But they have all is not lost. They have other leverage, they have other contingencies to protect their earnest money. And then there's the whole inspection report that's pretty substantial. Mm -hmm. And she said, Oh, should I send that to the other uh, yes. agent? I said, Absolutely. Absolutely. I said, that is There's leverage again. getting leverage. I said, and you need to send it not only to the other agent, and there's language in our contract that says even if they don't open the attachment, they're I've deemed asked to you have that received several it. Times. Like if my seller Absolutely. says I don't want to see it, do I have to send it to you them? Have yes. to send it and to even them. if they don't open it, it's they're still, still sent. They're, yeah. they're, they're deemed to have received yep. it, so they're That's responsible really for the know. content. And I said, while you're at it, I told her how to access the broker's uh, the listing broker, the yeah. boss of the listing that. agent, and copy in that broker and then remind them, oh, here you go. Please make sure your seller gets this. And by the way, you need to have your seller update their seller's disclosure statement now that you have all this additional That's knowledge of material leverage. defects. And um, if the seller doesn't disclose these material defects, um, you need to uh, disclose them per Beretta, which is the Broker, uh, Broker Relationship and Real Estate Transaction Act, Title 10-6A, which is actually what um, bro brokers are sued for, for not protecting the public. It's to protect the consumer. Yeah. It's to protect the consumer. And I have a funny story, and you guys, well, funny, funny, but not funny. We love there funny. Are, there are times where, as brokers, where and, and, and I'm sure, Cassie, that you may have encountered this as a loan officer as well, Probably. where somebody, for lack of a better word, is doing something sketchy. Oh, yeah. And oh, maybe as a professional, you have to say, I can't go down this sketchy path with you and engage in what you're doing, and I can't endorse it. I can't be responsible. I'm going to have to basically fire you as my client. Yep. Well, we had a situation like that recently where it was a seller and um, our listing agent had um, um, uh, scheduled an open house and just happened to be one of the rainiest weekends or what have you here recently where it was just like flash flooding 
and this was several months ago and the yard had standing water in it that was coming oh, into no. the house but the standing water stood there for days and days and days even after the rain went away in the house and and, and it was Ooh. eking into the house a little bit but the biggest problem was not so much that it was getting into the house it was the lack of drainage and the whole problem with the lot and the drainage and the it's like a soup bowl in the neighborhood the sellers know this Mm, and the buyer unless it happened to be a torrential downpour for days and days would never know this Mm -hmm. this is a prime example of a material defect that is not obvious to a buyer uh, through a visual inspection Mm -hmm. that's that we've seen that happen with uh, heavy rains where basements only leak when it's when it's when it's it's a really heavy 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 rain so if it's a light rain that leak problem doesn't reveal itself in the basement well the 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 issue here was seller absolutely knew this was an ongoing problem and it just happened out of fate that our agent saw it and actually took pictures of it and addressed Mm. it with the seller so the agent correctly advised the seller you need to detail what it is that's causing this drainage problem let me guess it wasn't in the disclosures he they put it in the disclosure oh they did Uh, and then as they were as they were disclosing and as they were getting showings etc etc the seller wasn't getting any offers and the seller was getting problems and seller was getting pushback so the seller's like i don't want to disclose this anymore and our agent said if you don't disclose it i have to disclose it exactly and so the sellers started being being very combative with our agent and i told the agent i said you're going to have to fire the seller you're going to have to fire the client because if they refuse to disclose this, we can't on the hook. take their instructions and we can't refuse wow. to disclose it. So we let them out of the listing. We withdrew the listing. And um, sure enough, they turned around and list with another large brokerage here <laughs> in, um, in, in, in the metro Atlanta area. And uh, they, they, put, they put a brand new disclosure statement uh-huh. on the MLS and our agent pulled that down and it was absent the language from the, uh, our are disclosure. Are you kidding me? No, oh, that's not nothing, kidding. Uh, that's nothing, Cassie. So, mm-hmm. so what I told the agent, I said to our agent, I said, we're going to send an email and I actually helped him draft it to the broker of the new company. We're gonna attach not only a copy of their current disclosure, but a copy mm. of the one that was originally disclosed and pictures of, and pictures of all the uh, flooding. Huh? And we informed the new broker, the head honcho broker, and we informed them what was going on. And I will tell you, they were so tremendously grateful. And they said, yeah, thank you so much, water. because we're going to take care and address this immediately. And then, just coincidentally, I happened to be updating my code of ethics class, and there was this exact scenario, wow. almost exact, where uh, an agent had a grievance complaint filed by the public for doing what our agent did, which was the disclosing right a material defect. And the panel said this agent did not violate ethics at all. They did the right thing because it's but, all about protection of the public. Absolutely. And so I was so happy and because I right said, I, exactly. I sent a text message to Ryan and I said, this exact scenario wow. where someone filed a, a grievance complaint against uh, a realtor for uh, for tattletailing on their defect. Right. Um, and they filed they a grievance to. complaint. And uh, and they were found completely not good guilty for them. And but in the liable. meantime, they're losing hair. They're probably not sleeping. I mean, oh, I can't our agent was in tears that. over this, oh, I and I was be, like, I you can't, sleep. you can't. If that ever happened, yeah. I would be so. I'd be like, everything I've done is 
what's going on? And, 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 and so much of your And, and your honestly, job. guys, I mean, absolutely. You know, when in doubt, disclose. Yep, and and the, um, the, the, the beautiful thing, and that's what you need to advise, as is has nothing to do with disclosure. Oh, so uh, annoying. Whether someone lives or has ever lived in the property has nothing to do with disclosure, whether it's owned by their, it's an estate owned. What we want to do as real estate professionals is we want to try to get that homeowner, property owner to disclose everything that they possibly can and then explain right. whatever limits that they don't have where they can put an explanation in the disclosure that they can explain I, I I've never actually occupied it so I don't have any information about that but it's when for you, their own protection it is for their own protection because when you do that and you give that type of uh, um, transparency to the buyer the buyer can then make an informed decision but you also put a burden on the buyer for their buyer beware yeah. of I've I've not held anything from you now I've been as transparent as I possibly can. Now it's up to you to continue your investigation and and, and vet this property. Yeah. That's right. Well, so that actually leads me to my absolutely do not. Yes. Okay. Today. Here's your do not. I have one coming too. So <laughs> the absolutely do not for me today on the lender side is when you're filling out the ATAC. It's very. Is this for a buyer? Yes. Okay. Uh, or and for ATAC the, is and what's an, an ATAC? Amendment to <laughs> address <laughs> concerns. So Sorry. after an inspection, typically. The agent will come up with an amendment to address concerns that'll be any sticking points that the buyer saw in the right. inspection is just can't live with it yes. wants to ask the seller to remedy and so what, what we say on the lender side we have to receive that amendment right sure. all parts of the contract all parts yeah. of the contract so when we get the amendment what we want to not see that what we do not want to see is anything that that says inspection or to address concerns of the inspection and then attaching the inspection or attaching the ones. inspection or referencing a page and paragraph or referencing oh or saying in lieu of repairs of inspection yeah, and a lot of you just don't know that right until they take right. your class they have no idea right so you can list out in detail each and everything that you want done at the property as long as you are sure it will get done before closing. You're not changing You're your just mind. More They're not going to decide yeah. that they'd rather just give money later on instead of exactly. having it done. You just if it said that it's going to be done, it's got to be done most of just the time do a by price a license, license um, inspectors. If it you know mold, water, and whatever. don't say license if you don't need to say license. Right. If it's a, a you know some paint needs to be touched up why are you going to say a licensed painter license because then we're going to require not all professions require licensing and right. not all of them are certified I, I tell agents your new favorite word is professional and if yeah, that profession that. requires a certification or a license then that's fine because someone's breaking the law if they're out there uh doing electrical work and they're not a licensed yeah, electrician different. so professionals your new favorite word yes but you never want to say in lieu of repairs for one thing if you say that the sales price is going to be reduced by by fifteen thousand dollars and you put in lieu of in repairs lieu of repair, yeah. that is a big uh red flag to the underwriting department because then they it. have to ask in lieu of what repairs what because you the agent referenced it and, right. and and guess what guys why would you need to reference and the it goes on the they're agent. not being agreed to right so just say that you're going to it's easy sales to, price to be blank reduced or yeah, sales, sales price, price to be blank <laughs> and, and it could be fifty thousand less but you don't need to explain it increase in closing costs 
of blank. Like there's. I explain it to my clients and then they're like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, remember the whole like mortgage debacle back then? That's called like illegal lending and Mm -hmm. a lot of things happen and they've tightened their belts and good for them. So in order to not make it look like you're getting some weird credit back or some weird this or that, I'm just gonna say sales price to be this. Are you cool with that? Yeah. 99% 99% of the time. Yeah, keep, no keep it simple. And and uh, again, this is uh, this is agents embellishing because they think they're helping they're helping Save the client. The and 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 the more experienced they are, and the more educated they are, substantively, and the, and uh, you know that's just the type of thing that as an agent, your whole goal is to get someone to a closing table. That's right. Cassie's goal. But ultimately, and I can, I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and speak for Cassie and Amber and say that we would all love for these deals to close. But if they don't close, one thing that we are very mindful of is we don't want people to suffer a loss of their earnest money. That is correct. And so that's that's why we all must be educated on the the timelines, the deadlines, and the procedures surrounding um, how people exercise their rights. Yeah, I tell myself if it's like a three-day due diligence first for example I tell myself it's one day yes and I tell the client tell yourself it's one day mm-hmm. Be- because uh, I need ul- it now absolutely because ultimately uh, um, I would say the, the one of the main reasons that people ultimately end up losing their earnest money and their they, client they, they they run out of time yeah mm-hmm. they they don't um, they're not able to make the closing date which is the obvious uh, deadline the ultimate deadline to perform is the closing date but it could be that they had a contingency and they didn't exercise their rights within that contingency within before it. it expired. And um, but that's you know, on us to remind them. Of that's these that's things. absolutely it really on the is. agent. That's our whole job is to. It, be it, it 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 absolutely is, and they're relying on that. I think uh, we had a question uh, earlier that we when we were chatting before um, the, the um, uh, podcast be- began about sellers' rights. I think we were talking a little yeah. bit about seller's Love rights to hear your thoughts on that. Um, when you ever see a loophole, what would it be? Because I have clients that they'll go under contract, we'll get a backup offer. The backup offer is significantly better. That Even the buyer, let's say, is amazing in cash. And Let's say I'm even representing them and I know that they're great. I wouldn't represent both, but I could have a, a teammate or somebody represent them. And then my seller's just waiting for the ball to drop on their current contract right. so they can right. get out of it and take the better offer. What would you say are the biggest ways that they could actually potentially be able to back out? Because it ain't easy for the seller. It, it is absolutely not. It always it, protects the buyer. It, absolutely. Because, well, for one thing, no one asked the seller to put their house on the market. True. The seller well, is uh, holding it out and saying, they started all this. They said, I want to sell my house. True. And I know about this house. I own this house. I have titled this house, and I'm going to give you title when it closes. So the seller is at an ex- extreme advantage and the buyer is coming in and having to do all this investigation about financing and uh, the property value, which is appraising it, and inspections of the quality of the product that they're going to buy and all that. So all of the contingencies that are typically in your typical transaction, due diligence, financing, appraisal, they are one-sided contingencies in the favor of protecting the buyer's earnest money. Make no mistake about it. Right. However, that said, Sellers do have some limited rights to terminate, but only under limited circumstances and only after following specific procedures. So seller's right to terminate is only going to come into play if the buyer is in default. Now right. here's, here's the, the, 
the particulars on that. Mm -hmm. The way our contracts, the most uh, common contracts used are the Georgia Association of Realtor Contracts here in, uh, in Georgia, and uh, they're commonly referred to as the GAR contracts. They allow the seller to terminate for certain particular defaults on part of the buyer, but not until they the give seller notice. gives the buyer a cure opportunity, and that has to be done by written notice. And when, when you hear the word notice in a contract, that means signed by the party. So if the seller is the one giving the notice, the seller would have to send um, a notice form. We have a form in the GAR contracts and it's form F-816. It's one of the mm -hmm. most least utilized yet important documents that exist you in our contracts. You taught me all contracts. about that. I've saved someone that way. So let's say, um, you know, the buyer was uh, supposed to offer proof of funds within so many days or something like that. Like maybe it was a cash buyer. Um, there's a segment in there that says that they're supposed to uh, uh, offer proof of funds or source of their funds and then it gives them a deadline mm -hmm. well suppose they didn't do that by the deadline a lot of agents without reading further down in the contract would think oh they're in default let me just go ahead and That's send them I a termination <laughs> i've tried that some and but if you read further into the agreement it would say if this scenario happens that the seller has to send a notice to the buyer and give cure. them three days three actual full days to cure this problem by remitting the uh, source of funds and then and only then if the buyer fails to do it then the seller could terminate so there's there's little built-in cures now the most common form of default uh, that we see where sellers have a right to terminate doesn't come until the closing date has actually passed mm. and a seller you know the way our contracts are structured it, it's not about the time that you have set at the closing attorney's office to close at 2.30 and then somebody misses the 2.30. There's no time. Mm. It's always through till midnight. It's always actual days. So even though I realized that the closing attorney's office closed at 6 p.m., right. um, the, the seller does not need to jump the gun and their agent doesn't need to jump the gun and, and try to terminate um, until that day has completely passed. And so if a buyer is unable to close and the seller's been waiting and waiting and waiting, then they could initiate the termination one full day after the buyer failed to close. And they could cite that as their reason for termination is buyer failed to close in the agreed upon closing date. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of other uh, 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 reasons to terminate. Another common uh, default we have on part of buyers is failing to turn in the earnest money in a timely manner. Oh, yeah. That one horrible. is tough. It's a big no-no. That one's tough because, and that's where I would depend on agents. Them, you have to give them three days to. But but the three days, and that's excellent, uh, Cassie, that you know that, but the, the key is the holder that is holding the earnest money has to send out that notice. Mm -hmm. So even if, let's say Amber were representing the seller and she's aware that the money was not delivered on time, unlike a lot of the notices where you could just have your seller send a notice and sign it if the seller's not the holder of the earnest money and it's the closing attorney yeah. or a broker the holder must send out the notice and then once that notice is delivered to all parties and it tells the buyer you have three banking days to cure and that's because it deals with uh, uh, banking and earnest money delivery um, it actually is the only place where you see banking days but it gives the buyer three banking days to remit the funds, and then and only then would the seller have a right to terminate should they not actually do that. 
but that one's tough. That's probably tough to put out. It's, well, I mean, it, it's tough because you're dependent on the holder, and the holder could be an, a closing attorney or a broker um, involved in the transaction. That's why, again, just like you're picking a really um, a responsible lending partner, you need to pick a really responsible closing partner. And this comes with the relationships and the experience because you need to make sure that that closing attorney, if you're going to have them hold earnest money, that they understand their duties and responsibilities. Right. Yeah, because otherwise, your seller is literally being held hostage under contract with a buyer that hasn't remitted their earnest money. Yeah. So those are the types of things that come with experience. Yeah, and you you learn a lot. At, you know, being in this industry, how long has it been? Twenty four years. Twenty four years. <laughs> Twenty four. And that's like dog years, years, y'all. That's like one hundred eight years, really. <laughs> Speaking of, if you guys hear a bone chewing, it's Sly Dog, our mascot. Is oh, our that's chewing. my little boyfriend. He's the cutest well, it's little. Been such all an nine honor pounds to have of you. Him. Like I, every time I talk to you, I learn so much. I mean, oh. even now, just the reminders. I'm like, oh, S has to give me. I know. I love it. Taking notes. I'm like putting the form numbers down as you saw really quick. And Thank I, you so you're much. like a wealth of knowledge. I wish we had more time because I wanted to ask you about that scam. With well, maybe we can have her come back. That'd be great. I would love, oh, that. I would love to come back. This yeah. was so much fun. Or we fun. can bring our mic there or something. We'll figure it yeah. out. Absolutely. <laughs> Either way, guys. Either way. I, I so This much. was wonderful. And I'll put I, your contact info in the notes. Ab- absolutely. I, I love um, helping agents. You it's a passion. So um, I love helping people understand what could be complex concepts and uh, understanding it in a simple way uh, Mm -hmm. because it's not complicated and I will say this about contracts all they are is tools of communication and 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 it's just a communication it's promises being made between a buyer and a seller and when you kind of look at it from that perspective the more you understand about the promises that each party's making um, and also the rights that each party has it, it really helps put it in perspective and mm-hmm. makes it a lot less complicated. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And my first broker always said, read the contract, Amber. Oh, yes. The she answers are there. Give, yeah, she wouldn't even give me answers until I would go back and, and get so frustrated. I'm like, it's two pages. But I, I'm a lawnmower broker, so I'm like, no, it's paragraph uh, three on page eight, four and lines down. And she will down. literally quote, it's 10A, <laughs> B minus one. Like, it's on the ninth page of the first <laughs> one. And I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> But sometimes you teach a man to fish. And it's important that for the lender, for the agent to to know their own contracts. Absolutely. Do you know how many agents call me to fill out their, like, to tell them what to do? Why am I doing your job? Yeah. No, I bet. I bet. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. I really have enjoyed it. We have to have you back if you'll come. I would love it. I would love it. I would love to come every few months if you'll have me. That would be amazing. That would be great. Because we could talk for, I mean, I mean, I really. I have so many questions. Had, so. I'd had so many questions I didn't even get to, but that's okay. We'll, we'll do write them down. Write them down, guys. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll do. We'll address them next time. Yay. All right. All right, Thank guys. You. Thanks Everyone for have coming. A good Thank you. Bye.